Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you so much for joining with me. And I tell you what, I do want to thank you, even as Paul did, uh, to the church at Thessalonica. Remember what we saw in the first chapter? How he thanked them uh, for their work of faith. You know, and I thank you for your work of faith, for your labor of love, for your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the presence of God our Father. Knowing that if you're truly saved, then you are God's choice. He has called you. Now, why do I say if you're truly saved? Because a lot of times people think that they're right before God and they do all this religious stuff. And they've been doing it for decades and decades and decades, and they think everything is fine. And they have ignored or put to silence that still small voice within them that speaks and says, hey, you need to examine something. What it says in 2 Corinthians, examine yourself to see if you be of the faith. You need to do that. I say that not to draw a question into anybody's mind, but I do say it not to where someone will just uh, rest upon the laurels of their activity of their life and not really take where they stand before the Lord. Okay, And so I, I give thanks to the Lord for your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope. Have you become, and what we saw last time, imitators of the Lord? Have you become an imitator of the Lord? Are you moving in the power of the Holy Spirit in full conviction? Not just this partial kind of thing. Well, yeah, I sort of believe this, and I think this may be right. I'm not sure, but I think this is okay. No, the enemy will use that type of spiritual wishy-washiness to totally uh, uh, render us powerless, okay? So let's let's finish up this first chapter of 1 Thessalonians. We saw that they had become imitators of the Lord, which is what we're called to do. They had received the word with much tribulation, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, for the most part, most of us in the Western world, we do not receive a great deal of tribulation when we receive the word and become believers. There may be family problems. There may be this, maybe that. You may have to make some decisions about uh, lifestyle and stuff like that, but it's not tri tribulation in the sense that they were undergoing. He told him, he says, I'm so excited that you've done that, that you're imitating the Lord. You received the word in much tribulation and with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now listen to verse 8 here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. For, so that word, F-O-R, for, is tied into everything that he just said, okay, of how they had become an example to the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. I love how he describes this right here. He says, the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, trumpeted forth is the idea, okay? That this word of the Lord has come forth into all these regions, not only in the Macedonia, Achaia, but everywhere else where people have heard about their faith in God. Okay? So people were hearing what was happening with them. And the idea seems to be that as they're hearing about this, they want to know more and they want to believe themselves. Look what verse, uh, verse 9 tells us even more details about what's happening. For they themselves report about us. So he's talking about those that have heard about what's going on with Thessalonians, those in Macedonia, Achaia, and the other places. He said that they reported about us what kind of reception 
we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. So let me, let me interrupt the sentence right here. That is what they had done. You get an idea as to what might have brought forth the tribulation. You're talking about a dramatic change in life. Uh, the same thing happens today. We just don't view it the same way. Here he said you turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God. In our society, we turn from idols. We just don't like to think of self-centeredness as being idolatry. We don't like to think of religious activity as being idolatry, but it is. Okay, If it is not centered and focused upon the most high God, then it is idolatry. And he said, y'all have turned from that to a living, to serve a living and true God. In other words, you turned away from the dead idols to the living God. You're quit serving the dead idols and you're serving the living and true God. Now, verse 10, the last verse of the first chapter a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. <laughs> Boy, that one little verse right there, which is just part of a sentence, gives so much insight into things, uh, particularly so much insight that the church is divided over now, that the church is confused over. And there's no reason to be that way if we simply knew what the word of the Lord said. Okay, if we just simply give heed and attention to the word of the Lord, he, he tells us the truth about me. It's just that we don't do it. We sit there and listen to what somebody thinks about something. Okay? Or what do I think about this? Or what do you think about this? And the next thing you know, after two or three generations, of that kind of thing, nobody ever looks at the scripture. Or if they do, it's in a perfunctory kind of manner. I mean, how often do we see in the times of corporate worship, somebody will stand up and read the Word of God? Boy, there's power in there. They read the Word of God, and then they sit down, and then other people will just follow up and talk about this or talk about that, whether it's in the corporate worship time or a Sunday school class time or a small group time or a Bible study time, whatever it may be, and they never really look at the Word. They'll read the word. They'll go, oh, what do you think about that? It doesn't matter what I think. What is it that the Lord is saying here? You know, But look what they were doing. They had turned from these idols to serve the living of God and to wait. So they were serving and waiting. They're serving the living and true God, and they're waiting for his son from heaven. That tells us where the son is. Tells us what they're waiting for. And just in case you're not sure who the Son is, he gives us more definition. They're waiting for his Son, God the Father's Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus. We see that it is Father who raised Jesus from the dead. You see the, the bottom line gospel message here. And the gospel message is that Jesus uh, came to earth, that he was killed, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And he says, that's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for the son from heaven who was raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Well, what is Jesus going to do? Well, if they're waiting for the son from heaven, the idea is they're waiting for him to return. And he's going to return. Why is he going to return? How is he going to return? He's going to return to rescue us. Rescue us from what? The wrath to come. You know what? Just about every chapter, if not every chapter, I want to say it's every chapter of 1 Thessalonians, but there may be one that doesn't. But just about every chapter at this book 
ends with a reference to the covenant of the Lord and or the wrath of God, okay, who rescues us from the wrath to come. So what do we see right here? He says, I've heard about this report, y'all's report, and it's going out everywhere, how you turned away from serving those pagan idols to serving a living and true God, and how you're waiting for his son from heaven. That's Jesus Christ, the one that was raised from the dead, and it's he that is going to rescue us from the wrath to come. Not even the wrath and the tribulation they were experiencing at that time. He's talking about a wrath to come. That wrath is yet to come. It isn't what so many people think it is. So let me say this again. I say this all the time, but I'm going to drive home this point. It isn't the wrath of God. The wrath of God is the day of the Lord. Okay? It's the day of the Lord. And we as believers are promised not to experience the wrath of God. But we're also promised that we will experience the wrath of Satan. And the wrath of Satan is what Jesus calls in Matthew 24, the great tribulation. Okay, the great tribulation. And we have been promised to experience that. A lot of believers say, oh, no, 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 the Lord tells us we will not experience the great tribulation. I would suggest you go study your word. Okay? As a matter of fact, point blank, he tells us we will experience the great tribulation, but we will be rescued from that. We're going to be rescued from that at some point in time. We're also going to be rescued from the wrath of God because we will not undergo the wrath of God. Anyway, our time is up. We'll continue on with this next time. I'll see you then.